you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, brand new from Groggy Bikini from Seattle, Washington. And the tune, Hurts Donut. Thanks so much, Mr. Elton, for the tune. Groggy Bikini by Hertz Donut. Today on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, we can reverse things if we want, i.e. it was Groggy Bikini with the song Hurts Donut, or you can call your band Hurts Donut in honor of Groggy Bikini. Today on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Jello Biafra. No, not the interview that I did a couple months ago when he was in town, but a brand new interview with Jello Biafra. Jello Biafra has been in town shooting a movie called I Love You, I Am the Porn Queen. And I was down on the set catching all the action. Today on the Nerdwater Human Serviette Radio Show, another interview with Jello Biafra. And to prepare you for Jello Biafra and the Jello Biafra interview, here's a band that Jello told me all about called Christ's Child. And the song Let Them Eat Rock. It's a punk exploitation record, like a record made by studio guys trying to ape the punk thing that was happening in 77, 78 in California. So right here, here's Christ's Child with Let Them Eat Rock and then an interview with Jello Biafra. 
on Denardwar de Human Serviette Radio Show. <laughs> I'm Jello Biafra, and I've been spending way too much time in Vegas, or trying to look like it. Jello, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> oh, we're getting ready to shoot a short film called I Love You, I Am the Porn Queen. I obviously play the porn queen. And this is Annie Kidd, who is also directing. Hello. And Annie, who have you brought with you to your immediate left? Far left. My far left. <laughs> this is Toby Lindela, and he does all the special effects makeup. He is going to create this fantastic thing in front of film. There'll be two characters that, he'd, uh, that he's going to create, and Jella will play both of them. Toby, tell us how you've created Sid. Is this Sid? Who is this? Yeah, this is a Sid character. Um, it's pretty pretty minimal as far as makeup. It's mostly Jello. Uh, how uh, come it took so long to get it all done? <laughs> and how long was that? Uh, about two and a half hours. Yeah, we'll, we'll be down to about an hour and a half for, for the shoot, I think, just trying different things out. But So for people that don't know what Jello Biafra looks like, what does Jello Biafra look like right now? Right now, what he looks like. I'm Hello? supposed to look like Sid. Even you can figure that out. God, your your IQ is declining almost to the point where you should be on uh, CNN. Baboom! Now, who do you resemble, though, Jello? Of all the people you've seen over the years, who do you resemble? Melanie Kay's father? No, that's not such a good thing to say, but he's a good guy, actually. But uh, he's a, with the shampoo salesman to all the great salons in Vancouver. But how about for the look, though, Toby? How did you make Jello like this? What goes into it? Oh, uh, we've got a rubber nose on him, uh, giving him that classic hook, the aquiline hook. Uh, and mostly it's just lifts that pull his face back. 
uh, goes great with his expression. How a lift works, because uh, I've never had this one done before. Um, there's a strap that runs around the back of his head. You see, as I pull it here, it tightens up. <laughs> it's made further and further. Could be used for a mechanical effect, if you like. He's a puppet. <laughs> now, this wasn't an easy thing to create, was it? Um... It, it took a little bit. We did some digital designs to start. Um, this is the lighter of the characters. The, the other character, Francis Alexander, is uh, a really extreme look. Where do you see that one? But when you say it wasn't really that hard to create, it was really hard to create, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, for instance, right here, what do we have over here? Yeah, this is a life cast. Do ask. Alter ego. That's what he looks like uh, under plaster. Uh -oh. And that's what I was wondering about, Jello. How does this compare? Like, you got to meet up with, and I have a gift here, right off the bat to give you, right here, Cynthia Plastercaster's record. Have you seen this one at all? Oh, yes, yeah. I have it. Let us examine this for a moment. Oh, can you explain to the people what's going on here? Pretty nice shape. I'll take it. Well, the, Cynthia is actually a friend of mine. She's the one who made the casts over the years of erect penises of rock musicians she liked, including, uh, sorry about the lisp, this tooth has to be filed down. Uh, she has one of Jimi Hendrix, and uh, I'm trying to think of the other ones from back in the day she did. And Long John Lankford of the Mekons, he's the biggest one. He has the biggest dick. But your dick has the biggest helmet, Jello? I was unaware of that, but uh, Langford is more almost a fat triangle. It is something to behold. I, I am impressed. It was, it was quite an interesting thing to try to do the first time because what I didn't know was that it was room temperature cold, this alginate, which is similar to how they cast your head or cast your teeth if they're making a crown, had to put it on my dick, and it was cold. And how did that compare to Jello's face? Did the dick come out for the face? <laughs> also a pretty big helmet, as you can see. Yeah, please, can you describe Jello's face, Toby? Um, it uh, sure has declined since the head cast for the Guar movie in 1994. I was just wondering. Happens. I was wondering, Jello, like of all the people you've encountered, promoters and stuff, do you resemble any promoters that you may have encountered? Like, you look a lot like Peter Breck. Uh, I don't think I do at all, but uh, the the other scary one, if you get a guy more Vegasy and pimpy like this, Mitt Romney, who thinks he's going to be president in 2012, although the Tea Party doesn't think so, and uh, whatnot. You know, he's a super, super rich guy who tried to buy the Republican nomination last time, and McCain beat him, but he hasn't given up, and he looks like... If you cast this guy as a more well-groomed, really wealthy, but equally sleazy person under the veneer and cast him in a show like the revival of Dallas they're working on now, that's Mitt Romney. The movie I Am... I Am what? I Am the Porn... It's not the title. It starts, I love you, I am the porn queen. But the word porn jumps out at you. Sure does. What exactly is the plot line for it? Because Jello's been in Vancouver for quite a few movies, haven't you, Jello? How many movies have he shot here in Vancouver? This may actually only be the third. Terminal City Ricochet and The Widower later on. And recently, Alternative Tentacles released long-awaited DVDs of both those movies. Terminal City Ricochet, if you recall, barely showed any 
anywhere before it fell into litigation or whatever. So bootleg VHS copies uploaded to YouTube when they showed it on the USA Network were all people could get. And people have been hammering alternative tentacles for years and years and years with emails. When are you going to release? Who's going to release the movie? How can we find it? Because we put the soundtrack album out way back when. And then some of the songs... I brought in for that. They worked out so well that it spun off into making a whole album with DOA and a whole album with No Means No that you're well aware of. The uh, last scream of the missing neighbors and the sky is falling and I want my mommy. Well, you look a lot like I saw like Peter Breck in Terminal City Ricochet, like right now. Uh, could be. <laughs> So the plot line for The Widower was on Golden Blonde versus Natural Born Killers. Um, to me, I thought of it as a racer head goes to Mortville. It's not an action picture. It more it flows in an eerie, slower fashion like like a racer head, only it's in color and it's... Uh, it, it, the widower in question wants to his wife dies he can't bear to lose her so he keeps her corpse around he tries to do the right thing at first and take her to the funeral home but guess who the funeral director is looking not that different from this only in black with no tooth coming out with this nurse I've been getting it on with in the back room kind of floozy looking nurse at least for the film and that was where I met Annie for the first time Annie, what exactly is the plot and the tagline for this movie? I love you. I am the porn queen. Well, this movie is about a woman who's kind of a sociopath. She's had uh, a lot of bad things happen to her in her life, and she's a porn star. And uh, she goes through her life being a porn star, having no emotion. And uh, her lovely, amazing manager is this man here. And he Yes, the Ken Lester of the porno world. He gets her some fantastic gigs. So one of the gigs he gets her is uh, being uh, a model for a sculpture and uh, this famous uh, this famous uh, person artist is going to create this amazing sculpture of this woman so he plays the, that's the other character he plays is the amazing art artist Francis Alexander so there's all kinds of weird twisted weird things that happen and it's uh, it's good so and Toby is doing all the special effects yeah I got a great team we're putting together a couple of looks for for jello and I had noticed, Jello, that Toby worked on Reefer Madness. He did. <laughs> uh, I'm on Reefer Madness right now, actually. Uh, <laughs> Are you making Reefer Madness? <laughs> no, there was a musical that, that we did. It was, it was actually pretty wonderful. Uh, I kind of like that idea. Reefer Madness, too. And I know... Well, as other great low-budget 30s classics, just think about it. If they're going to make Reefer Madness into a musical because they're so desperate to recycle old <laughs> stuff in Hollywood, exhibit A, that eye-candy plastic version of Hawaii 5 that's such a disgrace to Jack Lord's hair, they should make a big old remake of The Terror of Tiny Town, the all-midget western from the 1930s. Jello has... We'll get right on that. Jello has a lot of punk ideas, Toby. Have you worked with punks like Jello before? Uh, never to this stature, no. <laughs> uh, first experience. What punks have you encountered over the years? Have you encountered any punks? Have you done up any punks? Like, how was Jello doing? Um, yeah, this is the first punk that I've worked with. Uh... <laughs> 
but uh, no, Jello's been awesome. The uh, uh, we've worked with a lot of actors, and it's a it's a process. We do torture for a living, so yeah. You, know, you mean you mean Jillian Anderson didn't come out of the Toronto punk scene? She wasn't that vile tones groupie she was rumored to be. There was a connection actually. I did see her once at a Quintron gig at the North Burnaby Inn here in Burnaby because I think Quintron, the fabulous spellcaster, is her cousin. Wow. So there may be some legitimacy to that claim now. Nice research, Nardwar. <laughs> We're in Burnaby, the North Burnaby Inn, getting the down here with I Love You. I am the porn queen. And we're here with Ani, Sid, a.k.a. Jello Biafra, and Toby. And Toby and Jello, you guys also share an actor in common. We do. <laughs> you both worked with Corey... Feldman. Corey Feldman. Oh, that's true. And Bikini Bandit's experience. Yeah. Where I play, ironically, a porno director. But in that case, he's got a blonde wig and a blonde Fu Manchu mustache and a 70s leisure suit and hideous glasses to match. And he's, uh, get me the retards. Can't you see I'm an artist here? Bring on the tards. We just then think they of get jello straight. and porn. That's what we think of. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you do with Corey Feldman? You were in Lost Boys 2. Uh, yeah, it was fun. I love that. Lost Boys 2. Mm -hmm. He uh, was also in Rock and Roll High School Part 5. Yeah, I wasn't involved. <laughs> <laughs> did you meet Corey, though? Did you think that Corey would bring you together with Jello Biafra? We hadn't discussed it, but uh, it's an amazing coincidence. Yeah. Th that question is almost as absurd <laughs> as after that lunatic shot the congresswoman in Tucson, Arizona, who does Anderson Cooper have on as an expert analyst guest after it happens but Ted Nugent? <laughs> you think your media is getting more cartoonish. Wait till you see ours. I have a gift for you, Jello. A sexy gift in the theme of I love you, I am the porn queen <laughs> what do we have here jello have you got this record before no i've never seen that one Me looks like that guy's like part bird and he's cra he's puking up a worm into her mouth <laughs> uh, would you like to read right there what it says there jello if you could you mean, you mean uh i actually can't read it there it should extend over there a little bit okay daisy a young, beautiful woman who loves getting laid every hour on the hour. That sounds very, you know, text yuppie generation. She meets Ramrod, a middle-aged, oversexed stud who gives her just what she wants. He lays her out every hour on the hour. She still screams and pleads for more. Davies, Daisy's definition of sex love is never, of sex love, is never having to ask for the Goodies. I have another gift for you, Jello Biafra. Do you have this record here? To yeah. So I'll have to take it back, but I want to ask you about it. The worst part is, look at it, 16 RPM. Nobody has a 16 RPM turntable anymore, except maybe you, do you? <laughs> I tried to listen to it, and no, it does not work. But what do you know about this particular recording, what the Bible says about drugs? I couldn't hear it. Yeah, I, 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 know, very, I know very little about it, except for those who don't already know. Believe it or not, Jimmy Swaggart, one of America's all-time crooked evangelists, he and Jerry Lee Lewis and Mickey Gilly are all Cousins and they used to do burglaries together as teenagers. I have another record for you, Jello Biafra. As we are here... Probably a bunch tonight. Hot diggity dog. We are on the set of I Love You. I'm the porn queen. <laughs> but you actually are... 
the porn queen. No, no you're Toby. Oh, uh, Toby, yeah. Ooh, it's decorated. Decorated. I love saying that. Told <laughs> your audience his main calling card, you senile old man. <laughs> Why don't you, Jello? It's The X-Files. <laughs> the most one of the well, about only two TV series in recent memory that I actually really liked and stuff. And, uh, and I liked it that Chris Carter, the executive producer, said he got the inspiration from Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Another great series. But if only the two lead characters had been really cool like Darren McGavin as Kolchak, this obnoxious salesman slash reporter that annoys everyone in every scene so much more fun than hi i'm agent uber goodweeb and this is agent ice queen we believe that you may have space aliens in your body time for commercials see hey we could we could do one we could do our own version of the x-files exactly. dressed like this and the space aliens were created by you toby yep <laughs> you here we are on the set of I am. I know you what? No, no, it's not. I am. Try it again. Not right. I love you. I am the porn queen. And I have something I'd like to give you, Jello Biafra. <laughs> Another record right here. Do you have this record? I was in prison. prison. <laughs> no, I sure don't. This particular record is quite interesting. If you turn it over, it's actually by a Colombian gorilla. Why don't you just read that tiny little bit there, Jello Biafra? It's on a Vancouver record label too. My reading glasses from my other character in this film. My name is Hernando Piedraira. My gorilla name, The Bird, parentheses, Pajaro. During the 1950s, Colombia suffered political violence only then, and because <laughs> of persecution against my family and the subsequent massacres, became a gorilla. God, I'm having real trouble with this. A gorilla fighter at age 17. I was captured 20 years ago. And unlike now, they would have killed me. I'm still alive. And condemned to 34 years in prison. Three years ago, a Canadian couple, Don and Georgia Rendell, walked into my cell, told me God loved me, and after all my long, bitter years, I wept and accepted what Christ offered me. Yes, I'm still a revolutionary, but from a different cause, now my only weapon is the powerful word of God. And that's how I talked my way out of prison! For you, I was in prison, Jello Biafra. Yeah, but if it's in English, oh, it's Georgia Rendell narrating, yeah. Now, look, look at how often do you see a guard in a grandpa sweater at a jail, man? That is, uh, that blows my mind. I was thinking that might have been done at the BC Pen here in British Columbia because the record was recorded here. And you also have to realize, you think it's getting scary in Egypt. What happens if the Muslim Brotherhood does seize control of the country and has all these weapons because next to Israel, America gives more military aid to Egypt than any other country, and they ain't at war with anybody except their own people. So, of course, that's what all the stuff was for. What happens if other people get a hold of that? And number three on the list of who gets the most military aid from the United Snakes of America, Colombia. Supposedly for the war on drugs, but it's awful handy when you want to kill off indigenous tribes so you can run an oil pipeline through the jungle. I 
love you. I am the porn queen. And speaking of porn queens and whatnot, Jello, what can you tell the people about this particular porn queen right here? I'm so happy you gave me this, and you. Better... I'm not sure if that is actually for you. And who is that? It is now. I'm not sure, Jello. Uh, Snoop Dogg always takes the records from you, and my copy of this, the whole thing's water damaged on the cover. Now we finally got the real deal here. Awesome. What is happening here, Jello? I don't want to give you this record, but you're taking it. Um, now that Snoop Dogg has established a tradition of this, and yet you still show him records, knowing full well he's going to take them, which means you want him to take them, because otherwise he might become too big a star to ever speak to you again, then, uh, well... Xaviera is mine. Now, who is this? Please explain to the people. She was, um... Xavier? Xavier. She wrote a book called The Happy Hooker. Was it a movie or both? And uh, did a column and uh, an advice column in one of the offshoots of Penthouse for a while. And, uh, yeah, no, she, she was a one of the early celebrity pioneers in making porn more, uh, shall we say, above-ground mainstream. Now, what's amazing about this record is who has a guest appearance on this particular record? A Canadian legend, Ronnie the Hawk Hawkins. My God, how do you get on here? <laughs> what? Recorded in Toronto. Do he produce, or what does he do? He, don't, he, he tells a couple jokes. Oh, no. Oh, good. <laughs> he tells a joke, something about Buddy Holly in the shower, one of those type of jokes, or Bo Diddley in the shower. Oh, so so it's not uh, Xaviera bumping and grinding to that amazing version of his of Who Do You Love? Bummer! Uh, uh, no, actually, I think they're just at a bar. It's a recording of them at the bar talking and a whole bunch of jokes happening, like a laugh track. Uh, well... I don't remember that, but maybe I haven't listened to this yet. I thought I had. I thought there was some decent music on here, actually, but I could be wrong. It's recommended for adults only. So. Just like I Love You, I Am. The Porn Queen. Now, what is the rating of this movie going to be? Do you have any idea at all, Toby? I think it's going to be unrated, actually, so all the goods are going to be on screen. <laughs> uh. Jello, you're in an acting performance in this movie. As far as I know. <laughs> You've done some rock and roll throughout your life. You've been in many rock and roll bands, one of them the Dead Kennedys. I've asked you about John F. Kennedy. What can you tell me, please, about Jackie Kennedy? Wow. That's the same painter who did all the Crown Records covers, too. My God. Um, not a whole lot. <laughs> She lost her husband, then she got it on with this rich Greek old man and lived happily ever after with a hell of a lot of his money. There was this thing like JFK's woman that I saw on TV, and it was where they had a warning before it came on TV because it was going to be really gratuitous. Oh, was that the one they now canceled that was going to be on, uh, I don't know which channel, it was on the History Channel or something? I did see it. It was in Canada. I'm not sure. Maybe it got through in Canada. But it made me think, okay, Jackie's got a record. Jack Ruby has a record. What well, can you tell me about Jack Ruby's record? You said the Carousel Club record. I've never heard of that. It was like a record recorded at the Carousel Club. I mean, I've heard of one called, uh, what is the name of it? Uh, Charles Gray, Les Watson, and the Panthers recorded live at the Blackout Club. Rhythm and blues thing. I'd love to just hear the record, but on top of it, the liner notes from the club owner on the back are by Jack Ruby. That was the one. Do you have that record? I wish. I've only heard of one copy ever turning up somewhere, so I don't know. Check those thrift stores in Dallas.
Jello, more Kennedy records. What can you tell the people about this particular record? I think it might have been banned at one time. Sing along with JFK. Have you heard about this record? I know nothing about it. No, I've never seen this, I don't think. Would it's... you like your glasses so that you could read them? Those are the other character's glasses. <laughs> it's going to smear the makeup and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, well... If I'm booking you some stuff, maybe you should have these for one of the phone calls. Maybe not. Anyway. And again, we're here on the set of I Love You. I am the porn queen. With Ani Kid. And Jello Biafra. And you. And Toby. Toby Lindela. Uh, Jello, back to the dead Kennedys. Billy Squire, was he really in a band with Klaus Floride? Uh, yes, he was, and I wish the two lost studio albums of that band could be released. It was called Magic, Terry, and the Universe, and I only heard like a zillionth generation of a couple songs when I first met, Kla met Klaus, and it was uh, just drop-dead amazing. It was, it was really primal, psychedelic rock, but it didn't sound like any other band. You know, the, the, the Terry was kind of, I guess, semi-improvisational and sometimes spoke word kind of uh arthur brown crossed with god i don't know this is a word billy squire and klaus floride like pre-dead kennedys that's a real skeleton in the closet isn't it jello and klaus said his name in the band was dollar bill because he was so obsessed with money to the point when they sold all their equipment when they broke up he even sold empty marshall cabinets to people and forgot to tell the buyer he'd taken the speakers out and considering how Klaus scorned that, it's amazing what the amount of sleaze he now tolerates from the new dollar bill, East Bay Ray. They're still playing around as a fake dead Kennedys, but now not even Klaus is in the band anymore. Buyer beware. Explosions! Jello, what can you tell the people about if the bomb falls? Um, I think it's a, uh, you know, Cold War, Atomic Age, uh, paranoia record. Back when they had everybody had stashing uh, stuff in their fallout shelters in their backyards. Exactly. You can open it up there, and what do they have but a little booklet for you, Jello? You nailed it. How did you know what's inside in the booklet? Because I have one of these, too. <laughs> How many do you have? Do you have two? One. You usually get two of everything, though, Jello. Oh, God, no. Then I, then my house, and you've seen my house, really would be all cubes of vinyl, and I have a little cot in the corner. I don't really understand explosion records, so were they meaning this was a good thing with this on the beach record right here, Jello? What was the reasoning behind on the beach and this nuclear explosion that's happening here? Well, it's uh, either the official soundtrack or the music from a movie called On the Beach, which, much to my surprise, was shot after Dr. Strangelove. I had thought it was before because it was kind of a milder version of the same nuclear apocalypse idea, only on this one... The bomb has gone off. Maybe it could be a sequel to Dr. Strangelove. And it kind of asks the qu same question I did in the version of Falling Space Junk song that's on uh, The Sky is Falling and I Want My Mommy with No Means No, which connects up with the Terminal City Ricochet movie. Anyway, um, it occurred to me what would happen if people knew that the air was poisoned with radiation and they were all going to die within a few days or a month, two months, on the beach, 
the characters played by including Ava Gardner and uh, Fred Astaire, of all people. And I'm not sure either one of them made another movie after that. They're all kind of somber and just trying to, you know, tell people things they never told them in their lives and taking it all in a very somber, sad fashion before everybody dies. While the Falling Space Junk song is quite the opposite all hell breaks loose. If you realize you're about to die, why obey any law? Because there's no more any, no longer any consequences. Do you have on the beach? You have a couple copies of this, right? Um, no, no. I, it, I might have one. I'm not sure. I might have just listened to it in a store and was disappointed by the music. Actually, we have problems here because it says music from on the beach, but then it's filled up here with Oklahoma, High Noon, I Loves You, Porgy from Porgy and Bess. There's only one on the beach thing on this whole record. What a burn. No wonder I was bummed at. It, but what a great cover. Jello Biafra, Lee Atwater. Who is Lee Atwater, and did you ever hear his band? Uh, thankfully, no. He was one of the original dirty political tricksters before uh, Fox News and all, the one who helped create the uh, Willie Horton commercial that helped sink Michael Dukakis and make Bush's father president of the United States. The other main propaganda director for the first Bush, who also was as dirty as it got for attack ads and lying and everything else, was a guy named Roger Ailes. And his reward for pioneering the dirtiest campaign tactics the United States has ever seen Scene was Rupert Murdoch hired him to launch Fox News, and he still runs it. So Roger Ailes has, in the long run, gained far more power and done far more damage than he ever would have if he still worked for political candidates. I think it's great, though. Lee Atwater, a band. Isn't that cool? A politician band? Like, he played with, like, B.B. King and stuff. Oh, poor B.B. King. He, I, he probably, that would be later when he was trying to repair his image as a, bla- as a, as a backstabbing racist to do anything to get uh, the first Bush elected. And I remember, yeah, they were trying to, yeah, he's a blues guitarist, make him play with B.B. King and stuff. Poor B.B. King. That's as, that's as sad as when Sammy Davis Jr. put his arms around Richard Nixon and just loved him to death. That killed his career. <laughs> Jello Baffer, what about manufactured punk, like Christ's Child? Have you heard of that band from L.A., Christ's Child? Who are Christ's Child? I think they're manufactured punk. Yeah, it was punk exploitation. It was a hard rock bar band. They just recorded and then packaged it as a punk record. I, there was another one in France like that called Volcania and whatnot. And there was another one. What was the name of the one? It began with a V. Not Vengeance. Something else was a British one from a budget label that included future members of the Pretenders, and that was closer to a real punk record and all. But, uh, yeah, Christ Child was kind of... uh, People saw from the liner notes, this can't be real. I mean, this is like somebody trying to be Kim Fowley when all they really understand on how to exploit stuff is Debbie Boone. It was that low. You have their record, though, and where did you get it? Oh, probably the Aquarius 50 cent bin when it came out. But punk exploitation didn't get that far when the major labels decided not to make punk into the next Beatles or something. Jello Baffer, how do you know when something is exploitation? Like, for instance, the Pope and his picture disc. Yeah, I would call that yet another... God, look how macho he looks compared to the old Pope just sitting in the Pope mobile. Oh, what does the Pope have to say? Hey! 
I could hardly wait until the current Pope is in that condition because Pope Benedict is one of the great screen monsters. All the still photos of him, he looks like Boris Karloff is playing him in one of the bigger budget Karloff movies of the 30s. Jello Biafra, here we are on the set of I Love You. I am the porn queen. With Ani. Kid. And Jello. Biafra. And Toe. B. And Toby. Here's, here's, your, here's, your, new, here's your new exclusive on this, upcoming, on this upcoming film. That's the porn queen That's right the there. Jello, this is the 12th time that I've interviewed you in 22 years. That terrifies me. <laughs> Although I tried to get to you earlier. Do you know that? Well, which time? Before 1989, I tried to get to you, Jello Biafra. You never told me that before. Yes, I did. And in fact, I have the proof right here, Jello. This is me in high school writing you, Jello Biafra. Why don't I have the letter? Well, if you know, look what's addressed to right there. We have Hillside. Secondary school. And if you open up the letter, what do we have right here? We have the letter. This was sent to me. You know how cool this is to get a... I wrote to you, Jello, to see if the dead Kennedys would play my high school. And I got a letter. And it's not from me, dude. I never saw this letter. It's one to me either. It's signed by Debbie Gordon, who was the manager of the Dicks, and then worked at Alternative Tentacles as a general manager, and then eventually went on to manage Babes in Toyland, and I believe uh, Natalie Merchant and some other people. I'm sure she's crossed paths with Steve Macklem if he's still working with Katie Lang. So on the letter here, if you could read this out, Jello, this was me trying to get you to my high school. So we were going to try to meet in 1980. 86. This isn't your letter. This is Debbie's yes. letter. What is she this saying? is to me. Um, unfortunately, DKs are not playing any North American shows for quite a while. Next, they are going to Brazil, then possibly Europe. I enjoy your letters and will give them to Jello so he can read them. And you never read it. <laughs> I never read this. I might have it somewhere. I don't know. I couldn't tell you because I, I got so many of those. And there's two or three mailbags full of the most demented ones still in my garage. But uh, you know how cool what she was doing here was stalling you because the band had decided to break up. But we didn't want to tell anybody yet because of the Frankenchrist charges and wanting to get an album done in peace. And not wanting promoters like Paul Rad haranguing me on the phone demanding one more show. And stuff. I think so. she was stalling him because she knew he was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I surely you didn't reveal that in your letters that early. Some people do. Well, I just want to say how cool that was. Like, I got a letter. We got a letter from the dead Kennedys at our high school, like running through the halls. Look, we got a letter from the dead Kennedys. That was amazing. And 13 days after getting that letter, Jello, I formed the Evaporators, my band, and inspired me to get going. The evaporators were going that early or only in your head? <laughs> 13 days after that letter, that started me going. Like, man, the dead Kennedys can't come to my school. Maybe we can play our school. We ended up playing gigs at our school. Wow. So you started... You didn't start touring and making the records till 10 or 15 years later. Yeah, it took a while to get going. <laughs> it, it took 10 years to get a record out. <laughs> Thank you, Jello, for kick-starting it. So I would have met you in 1986, but it took till 1989. Wow. Yeah, I was a little more, like, steeled by the school of hard knocks to actually absorb meeting you and being in the same room with you in later years. Them earlier years, I don't know whether I would have pulled a Kurt Cobain or not. 
but you did go along with this, and I lastly just want to ask you about this. You allowed yourself to be on this particular compilation record called Oh God, My Mom's on Channel... 10. Channel 10, because if you turn over the first record on Nardwar Records, there is Nardwar versus Jello Biafra. I forgot that was on there. This is a pretty good record. Are you going to steal it from No, me? no, he sent me one. Oh, okay. Because you promised you wouldn't sue me, remember? <laughs> no, I'm not the lawsuit guy in Dead Kennedys. That's Ray. Jello Biafra, what can you tell the people about hope? Um, Have some. <laughs> well, beware, as Will Shatter put in a collage early on, of hope dope dealers. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're you're trying to get to audacity of hope and all that, and why I called the Guantanamo School of Medicine's album "Audacity of Hype." But you know him too well. Even the, even through there, you know, beware of hope dope dealers, people who peddle hope in order to sell you things you shouldn't be buying, being it cosmetics, politicians, bad home mortgages, whatever. They're hope dope dealers. Actually, I was thinking of hackers on planet Earth. You spoke at their conference. I've spoken at four or five of those. I missed the one last summer, unfortunately. And you mooned the audience. And you're here at this movie, I Love You. I am the porn queen. And will there be mooning? And what happened at Hope? Well, unfortunately, well, fortunately, actually, the moon queen is over here while the porn king will be fully dressed and you'll just have to leave the good stuff to your imagination. But uh, what happened at uh, the Hope Conference was, you know, it's hackers, it's, it's high-tech Silicon Valley people and underground activists getting together, but also... A lot. They debate a lot of surveillance things, and the spooks began figuring out we should be hiring these people. And so there were basically not only CIA people, retired intelligence people on the discussion panels, one of whom referred to people who disagreed with him as Biafrans, greatly overestimating my guru power among the American public. I was quite amused by that. But... If there are that many people trying to recruit these people, that meant when I did my keynote talk, there are probably FBI and CIA and NSA people possibly in the audience. So my attitude was, okay, if this, if you're here today, this is what I have to say to you. And I mooned the entire auditorium and was quite surprised, actually, at how many of the young, hick, ha hip, hacker community people were really offended by that. They didn't want to see my hairy ass in their auditorium. Jello's hairy ass will not be in the movie, right? I, I hope not. Or will it, honey? No, it will not. Mine will, but it's not hairy. <laughs> when you think of people that are into tech and stuff, are you into collecting, like, Bill Gates records, Bill Gates Unplugged? I didn't know there was such a thing as a Bill Gates record. I have heard there's an Enron corporate convention record where they hired somebody to do a musical about how great Enron was. That's a whole other area of record collecting that nobody really was hip to till after those incredibly strange music books came out. I mean, I even have an LP from an American Standard Toilet Company convention where you have a woman singing, My bathroom, my bathroom is a special kind of place 
Not to be confused with other songs like The Exxon Dealer's Wife or The Frito Twist or uh, a Coca-Cola convention one from San Francisco actually called The Great Bottling Plant in the Sky where everyone is forced to drink Coke all the time and there's no EPA and there's no OHSA. And that was interesting because they were that weird at Coca-Cola about the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. If the Environmental Protection Agency is that much of a problem for the onward march of the Coca-Cola empire, what are they really putting in Coke? Jello Biafra Massage Records. Are you into them at all? I guess I have to be now. The scene? <laughs> Yeah, Ani, you met Jello on the set of the movie The Widower, and you were doing some massaging, weren't you? Look, look. See, perfect. No, we were not doing any massaging. What about massage records? Are you into those? Do you collect those at all, Jello? Um, <laughs> not per se. I mean, one of the things I've enjoyed out of some of the, you know, the spacier, more sensual Krautrock stuff, Exotica records, James Bond soundtracks, or even Head of David in a weird way. If you want to get heavy, they make good soundtracks when you're massaging somebody you love after sex, which can be a great, great afterburner to release all those endorphins, especially if, you know, you don't smoke weed or do other drugs anymore, so you're not going to get quite that high out of music unless you have sex. Sex Talk by Jello Biafra. Mm. On the set of I Love You. I am the porn queen. And lastly here, I love you, I am the porn queen. Any updates on Hino at all, Jello? Well, number one, his name is pronounced Hino, which I think you should have known by now. This, oh my God, it's autographed. All right, you got to be interviewed now. Did you get him to autograph that? And if so, when and where? I don't know. I think I inherited this. That's his signature, though. How do I know? Because I have an autographed postcard by Hino, and his weird-ass baroness wife autographed it as well. It's a weird. What's the update on Hino? And for people that don't know Hino, how is he doing? I heard there's like a Hino imitator in L.A. Um, it's quite possible, but Hino is very thin-skinned about that. That gigantically popular uh, humor pop-punk band in Germany, De Totenhosen, had a guy coming out on stage doing cameos claiming he was the real Hino. And they even released records as the real Hino. And then the real, actual Hino sued the guy, claiming he was the only real Hino. So the guy who was being sued for claiming he was the real Hino packed the courtroom gallery with dozens of De Totenhosen and fans all dressed as Hino, thus humiliating Hino, although Hino got some kind of a judgment against him that exited by a back door so he didn't have to talk to the media. Have you ever met him or seen any of his gigs? He's still rocking now, isn't he? Rockin' is not the word I would use for Heino's music. It's like German Oompa Schlager music, only schlockified to the nth degree. Every ABBA production move in there and everything in the kitchen sink. You want the happy woodcutter song? Use a saw. Children's choirs, hula guitars for his hula songs in German, which must be heard to be believed, and a nice pedal steel when he's singing about the Ponderosa Ranch. The and let's not forget his Latin lover songs for all the people who fled Germany after the war. After all, he is very conservative and especially popular in Bavaria. And, uh, 
songs like Ay, 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 Carnival in Rio, la, 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 Carnival in Rio, or Come, come in meinen Wigwam. Come into my wigwam and just visualizing, get the record for a second if you can, visualizing riding across the prairie in the cinematic, mythical Old West. You're tired. You've been there, not even a drop to drink. You find a teepee. And who's inside but Hino? That is one of the weirdest visions I think I've... No, I've had many weird visions, especially you, but uh, I don't even have to imagine that one. Well, thanks so much, Jello Bafra, Ani Kid, and Toby. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Well, um, you know, it's been a long friendship with Annie after meeting on The Widower, and the next day when I was doing one last scene, running out of the funeral home, chasing The Widower, and she came up to me, you know, very vivacious, friendly person that she is, and gave me a demo of her music, and I thought, you well... asked for it. I didn't just give it to you. <laughs> I didn't know I'd asked for it. I thought you just surprised me oh. with it. I don't remember. Remember, but or maybe you just told me you made music so of course I asked for it you never know I mean especially you know to be nice to this you know really cool person I just met and everything that I didn't want to like never see again as long as I lived and so she gives me the music and thing oh and there's a punk compilation with punk stuff oh I'll bet she's this kind of sweet smiley pop punk girl and then I put the music on, and it blew me through the ceiling. It was completely unique, really savage, very low, you know, both growly voice and a burgundy torchy voice. I was like, this is completely unique. Good songs. This is the real deal. And, of course, the stage presence is obvious. So uh, eventually, oh, Jello, groping. Gro no, this is no, the last no, question. Right. This no, is no, the last no, 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 we're out of tape. We're, no, we just no, we're Shut up. <laughs> I'm finishing the story. Yeah, just that, you know. Know, just groping me on the set of The Widower for one scene in the movie led to the Annie Kid solo album that everybody should listen to. It's one of the great lost classics of AT. Well, thanks so much, Cello Biafra. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do. Snort, snort. All right. Great. You said the camera was running out. No, it was. It, he told me. He told me it was running out. He told me. Where's the rest of the record? I wanted to put another. I wanted to put another tape in. Can we get that? Let's put. Let's no, take. we're done. We can't. No, I, we have work to do. You're, I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to put another tape. Do we have any left? Interviews with you. We're done. Tief im Wald, da wohnt der Förster und sein schönes Kind. Und sie küsst so gern, das ist doch kassend. Kommen wir des Weges, steht sie immer vor der Tür. Doch mit der Büchse steht der Förster hinter ihr. Denn wir sind die lustigen Holzhackerburm. Uns lieben die Madel, uns hassen die Burm.
Ja, wir küssen alle gern des Försters Töchterlein. Fensterl ist so schön, nachts beim Mondenschein. Steigen wir die Leiter hoch, oh Schreck, was sehen wir? Mit der Büchse steht der Förster hinter ihr. Hände sind die lustigen Holzackerbrunnen. Uns lieben die Maden, uns hassen die Burm. Wir ziehen über Berge, durch Täler und Höhen, wo's Edelweiß blüht und die Madel so schön. Wir trinken vom Bach, der so klar und so rein, zur Not kann's auch hier aus nem Maßkrug sein. Sonntags war die schöne Maid bei uns im Dorf zum Tanz. Sie küsste immer zu des Bürgermeisters Franz. Aber in der Pause, ruckzuck, da kamen wir. Auch mit der Büchse stand der Förster hinter ihr. Hände sind die lustigen Holzhackerburm. Uns lieben die Madeln, uns hassen die Burm. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Heino, with Die Lustigen Holzkacker Buben. And before that, an interview with Heino's greatest fan, Jello by Afra. Coming up, a couple songs that were mentioned in the interview with Jello Biafra. Right now, here's the Plaster Caster Blues Band with Seven Foot Drummer from Fleetwood Mac. And we all know what seven foot means. Right after that, we're going to hear Sing Along with JFK, the trumpet, and If the Bomb Falls, what to do in case of nuclear war. So here right now is the Plaster Caster Blues Band with Seven Foot Drummer for Fleetwood Mac on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada.
trumpet summons us again. The trumpet summons us again. Not as a call to bear arms. Not as a call to bear arms. No arms we need. No arms we need. Not as a call to battle. Not as a call to battle. Though in battle we are. Though in battle we are. But a call to bear the burden. But a call to bear the burden. Of a long. in tribulation patience in tribulation a struggle against a struggle against the common enemies of man the common enemies of man tyranny tyranny poverty poverty tyranny tyranny poverty The threat of nuclear warfare is a threat to all of us. How can we live with this threat? Our best life insurance may be summed up in four words. Be alert. Stay alert. This will take some doing on your part. It will take ingenuity. It will take fervor. It will take the desire to survive. And it need not take a lot of money. All you'll need is shelter and common sense. Nature packs more power into a thunderstorm, a volcano, or an earthquake than man does into a bomb. But the weapon that man has created concentrates its punch within a small area, say 10 miles across. Since we like our foods concentrated and readily available for use, we might label our nuclear weapons instant death. There's no doubt about it. If you live within a few miles of where one of these bombs strike, you'll die instantly. You'll also die if you live downwind from where the bomb falls even a few hundred miles away. It may be a slow and lingering death, but it would be equally as final as the death from the bomb blast itself. You'll die unless you have shelter. Shelter from the intense heat, 
and the radiation that is the byproduct of a nuclear explosion. Some of this radiation disappears in the twinkling of an eye. Some of it lingers for thousands of years. You must have protection against that radiation. A home shelter can provide that protection. The Office of Civil and Defense Mobilization has given long study to the problem of home shelters. It's been found feasible, practical, and also fairly cheap. Thus, the President of the United States has urged a program of home shelters. The OCDM has provided plans for them. They're contained in a booklet called The Family Fallout Shelter. And booklets will be found with this record album. Let's assume bombs fall before you have time to prepare a shelter, or while you wait in the belief atomic war will never come. We can always hope that man will never use such a weapon, but we should also adopt the Boy Scout slogan, be prepared. The first alert is sounding. You hear it in the background. What will you do? There are three courses of action open to you. They'll vary in different sections of the country. Evacuation can lead to massive death tolls if carried out in big cities by panic-stricken people. In some places, you're advised to leave the city or the target area if it's known. In other places, you're told to seek shelter in pre-established areas or go to your own family shelter. For since the advent of the intercontinental missile, the time available for evacuation now can be measured in minutes instead of hours. So, off to the shelter. Listen to civil defense instructions on your car radio if you're driving. Stay tuned to the Conrad channels 640 or 1240 kilocycles, whichever you can hear better. If you have not provided a shelter in your home, some protection against fallout can be provided in a basement. If you don't have a basement or a storm cellar, seek a room in the center of the house, away from windows. Listen to civil defense instructions. You should have a battery-operated radio and an extra supply of batteries in case of power failure. It's quite possible that radioactive fallout will be quite light in your area, extremely heavy in others. Your civil defense authorities will tell you. It may be safe for you to leave your house after a few hours, or it may be as long as two weeks or more. Two weeks with very little food or water, tension, unaccustomed closeness. Two weeks with sanitary facilities most likely not operating. No lights, no phone, just terror. But you will be alive to enjoy these small problems. Many thousands may be dead and wounded. Hunger, thirst, and disease will follow a bomb attack. We can help control these conditions 
by preparing a home shelter and by being informed. That's why this public service recording was made, to help you survive. Under certain conditions, a person can live without food for two weeks if he has water. Medical authorities tell us that the psychological factor is worse than not eating. It's the fear that kills faster than starvation itself. But it's wiser and far more comforting to provide shelter, food, water, and sanitary conveniences if we hope to live after a bomb falls. Let's take a look at the family type shelters. These have been devised by experts. Stanford Research Institute, Army Signal Corps, and Naval Radiation Laboratory. They've been tested against atomic weapons at the vast Nevada test site. There's the above-ground double wall shelter. Expensive, but capable of withstanding blast as well as fallout in most cases. There's the basement concrete block shelter, if your basement's big enough for it. The underground reinforced concrete shelter can be built as a basement within a new house, or it can be buried in the backyard. There's the pre-shaped metal arch shelter, a half dome of corrugated iron culvert covered with earth, or the reinforced concrete pipe shelter set on end below ground. Depending on family size and requirements, they range in cost from $200 to $1,500. Before you build, consult a contractor and check your local building laws. Radiation which drifts down or falls out of the mushroom cloud marking the explosion of a nuclear weapon has great powers of penetration, like an arrow piercing an apple. Two feet of concrete or three feet of earth will provide the protection necessary against fallout. Your shelter should provide 10 square feet of floor space per person, and it must be provided with filtered ventilation. A hand-operated blower is essential for underground shelters. Sleeping accommodations can be either bunk beds that fold up or hammocks, which can be taken down when not in use. Electric current probably will be unavailable, whereas continuous low-level lighting can be provided by means of a four-cell hotshot battery wired to a flashlight bulb. Have spare batteries. And have a flashlight or Coleman lantern when brighter light is needed. You'll need a battery-powered radio with an outside antenna to pick up civil defense instructions. For the period immediately following an attack, all Conrad stations will be operating at reduced power. And don't forget those extra batteries. You'll need lots of food and supplies, first aid and sanitation equipment. You'll be told about these on the other side of this record. And there's much valuable information provided in the folders within this album. Read them and keep them. Your life may depend on them. Meanwhile, let's go back and summarize some of the essential facts you'll need to know to survive a nuclear attack. First, learn the warning signals. The alert signal is a steady blast on a siren or fire horn of three to five minutes duration. This is how it sounds.
the take cover signal is a wailing tone or a series of short blasts of three minutes duration. Second, tune your radio to the Conelrad stations, either 640 or 1240 kilocycles. Listen carefully to the instructions. Your life depends on how well you follow them. Do not use the telephone. Third, assemble your family. If your children are at school, they'll be cared for. Or if there's sufficient time, they'll be sent home. People who are at work will either go home or to a shelter provided for them. Fourth, know how to store and purify water. Tightly capped jars of water will stay palatable for about three months. Replace the water regularly. Canned water also is available. Fifth, know what foods to store and how to prepare them. Your shelter's provisions should emphasize high concentration of food value rather than volume. It should preserve well and it should be easy to prepare. Foods canned in metal or glass will stay in good condition for six or more months if kept in a dry, cool place. Use small cans. You'll have no refrigerator to store leftover food for another meal. You'll need a canned heat stove. Have plenty of fuel for it. Sixth, know how to dispose of human wastes. Seventh, know how to decontaminate. And eighth, Make sure that some member of the family knows the fundamentals of first aid and have a first aid kit in the shelter. Be alert, stay alert. Then your chances of living longer are multiplied a thousandfold. Turn this record over and learn why a shelter program may save your life. President Roosevelt once said, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself. The phrase well fits the situation about fallout, the reason home shelters are needed. You don't have to be an expert to understand radioactivity. Our whole world is radioactive. The air you breathe, the water you drink, the food you eat, all contain small quantities of radioactivity. You probably have been exposed to radiation from X-ray machines. You may have a watch or a clock with a luminous dial. It, too, is radioactive. Fallout from man-made methods is comparatively new. It dates from 1945, when the first atomic bomb was exploded. Because modern weapons have grown vastly in size, fallout is a serious problem. It may be with us, forever. So long as the threat of war or nuclear accidents exist, this problem is important to you. Fallout consists of bits of radioactive dust, debris, or solid matter which settle or fall out 
from the mushroom cloud formed when a nuclear weapon is exploded. These radioactive particles act like miniature X-ray machines. They send out rays in many directions. This radiation is extremely dangerous. Over a period of time, sufficient quantities of radiation can lead to illness or death. But it's possible to protect yourself from it by taking the simple but important step of providing shelter against it. Let's assume that you've built a shelter, or at least have made some provision for your family in an area protected from fallout. You may not have much time to get into that shelter, so it's wise to furnish it now. Most of the equipment can stay there indefinitely. Food, however, should be replaced regularly. You'll need cooking and serving equipment, a canned heat cooking unit with extra cans of fuel, a frying pan, cups and napkins, a double boiler, such things as bottle and can openers, plates, eating utensils, measuring cups, matches, and a pocket knife. You'll need clothing and bedding, blankets and sheets or sleeping bags, spare clothing. You'll need a battery-powered radio with aerial and extra batteries. You'll need sanitation supplies, deodorizer, soap, toilet tissue, paper towels, sanitary napkins, disinfectant, garbage can, human waste can, emergency toilet, newspapers, paper bags. If you have a baby, you'll need dehydrated milk, bottles and nipples, disposable diapers, and extra water. You'll need recreational and spiritual supplies, a Bible, books, cards or games, and if there are any children, toys. You'll need light, a flashlight with extra batteries, candles, a calendar, a clock, and hand tools probably will not be amiss if you have sufficient room. And in your car, against the day, maybe two weeks later, when you can evacuate, you should keep a ground cover, a tent, and extra gasoline. Most important to you and your well-being is a proper supply of food. Actually, a human being can live well beyond two weeks without food if he has water, but it can be a nervous strain, and there's no reason to impose this upon your family. Just keep this in mind. A balanced ration is important. The smart housewife will select foods that require little space for storage, that keep for months without refrigeration, and that require little or no cooking. If it's required by the presence within the shelter of toddlers or invalids or diabetics or old folk, provide special milk or strained, chopped, or other special foods. Small cans and jars, sufficient only for a single meal, are best for foods which spoil rapidly. Remember, you'll have no refrigeration. The Stanford Research Institute has prepared survival plans for its own employees, providing a list of foods which it finds sufficient to provide an adult with 2,000 calories per day for two weeks. Multiply the amount in the list by the number of people in your family, 
and you'll know how much to stock in your basement. After you've heard the following list, you may want to play it again while you copy down the food you'll need. The first item is milk. Dry, non-fat, 20 ounces. Evaporated, 14 ounces. Then juice, tomato, grape, apple, 64 ounces. Get it in bottles with crown caps only. Juices will spoil if left too long in metal cans. Fruits, applesauce, pears, peaches, apricots. Make sure that they're in glass jars with glass lids. You'll need 112 ounces per person. Vegetables, corn, peas, beans, spinach, 112 ounces. Soups, canned or if dehydrated, in cans. Avoid tomato soup. You'll need 112 ounces again. There are lots of one-dish meals available, such as chicken and rice or noodles, pork and beans, baked kidney beans, chili con carne, and beef stew. When you get pork and beans, buy the brands without tomato sauce. You'll need 208 ounces of these foods. Jam, jelly, or marmalade, in glass jars again, 14 ounces. Crackers, in cans or glass if you can, or store them in glass jars. You'll need 56 ounces per person. Four ounces of instant coffee or tea or instant cocoa will see an adult or a child through a two-week period. And four ounces each of sugar and salt. Hard candies are almost a must for quick energy. A pound a person would be right for 14 days. Lastly, water. Drinking water and water for cleaning. You should have seven gallons of water per person for drinking. It should be stored in glass containers with tight-fitting lids in a dark place. And the containers should be rinsed and refilled every three months to keep the water fresh. It's quite possible that during your stay in the shelter, you'll be told that the radiation level has fallen sufficiently for you to go outside safely for a short length of time. During this period, you should bury your garbage and human waste at least two feet deep in the earth. Also at this time, get an additional supply of water if it's not been contaminated by fallout. Keep this separate from your drinking water until you can purify it, either by boiling, by chlorination, or by iodization. The halozone tablets your husband or your father used during the war to purify water are good. These may be hard to find, but try a drugstore or a sporting goods store. You should know how to treat broken bones, halt bleeding, or handle burns. You'll not be able to telephone for an ambulance or call the doctor. You'll be on your own. This brings us to the first aid kit. It need not be elaborate. A small bottle of antiseptic solution, four triangular bandages for slings, a two-ounce bottle of aromatic spirits of ammonia to treat faintness, packaged folded sterile dressings to cover open wounds or burns. For bandages, improvise. Use bath or hand towels or bed sheets. The older and softer, the better.
Be sure you have safety pins and something sharp to cut bandages, and that you have plenty of mild soap for cleanliness. By all means, provide some tranquilizers to ease the strain and monotony of life in a shelter. A bottle of 100 should be adequate for a family of four. Tranquilizers are not a narcotic and are not habit-forming. Ask your doctor for his recommendation. No one knows if you'll ever need a shelter. But in this atomic age, it's wise to be prepared. The best advice your government can give you is alert today, alive tomorrow. <laughs>